We're going to be in the book of Proverbs this morning. Proverbs chapter number 13. Proverbs chapter number 13. We're going to look at one verse in Proverbs chapter number 13. And actually, it's only going to be a portion of that verse. The last part of verse number 15. Proverbs chapter number 13 and verse number 15. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 15. We'll read the whole verse, but of course then we'll give special emphasis to the portion that serves as our text this morning. Proverbs 13 and verse number 15. Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. The title of the message this morning is A Rough Life. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. We are thankful for the opportunity to be in your house. Lord, it's amazing the love and care that you have for us. And Lord, the way that you constantly take care of us and watch over us. And uh, Lord, uh, the fact that uh, we can be called children of the Most High. And Lord, uh, because of our own wickedness and sinfulness, we so often uh, wander uh, astray and wander away from you. And yet, we thank you that you love us and care for us. And Lord, you've saved us by your grace, and Lord, we don't have to live uh, the way that verse number 15 describes the natural man. Lord, we may in this life have difficulties and troubles and afflictions and persecutions, and yet this is far different than what Solomon is writing about in verse number 15. Lord, help us today to honor and glorify you. We pray that you'd captivate our thoughts and attentions on you. Help us to understand your word. Lord, correct, comfort, guide, challenge, whatever it is that's necessary in each life this morning. Use the Holy Spirit and your word to accomplish your end and your purpose. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A rough life. Many in 2022 are experiencing a rough life. Now, man's problem is very simply this. He is content without God. He thinks that he has better ways of living his life than what God has given us in his word. The natural man devises all sorts of activities that he deems pleasurable and he doesn't look to the outcome. The natural man never realizes that the life that he has chosen apart from the word of God and apart from God will ultimately be one of heartbreak and sorrow. Now in our text, in verse number 15 of Proverbs 13, Solomon emphatically tells us, and by the way, Solomon purported to be the the wisest man on earth, asked God for wisdom, and God gave him wisdom. Uh, Now Solomon didn't always apply that wisdom, did he? But but he, he was a wise man. And as the author of the book of Proverbs, he writes that the way of transgressors is hard. The transgressor is the sinner, the natural man who has never been saved by the grace of God. The way of of sinners is hard. And what he's saying here literally is that the sinner's life will be a rough life. The word rough is translated in Deuteronomy chapter 21 and verse number 4 by the same Hebrew word that is used in verse number 15 In our English Bibles, it's translated as hard. It's translated rough in Deuteronomy chapter number 21 and verse number 4. And and there are multiple meanings to this word. 
It literally means uneasy or unpleasant. The sinner's life is a rough life. It is uneasy. It is unpleasant. Many years ago, there was a young man that was groomed to follow professionally in his father's footsteps. This man had a godly mother who taught him the Word of God and directed him to God. He reached the height of his profession, actually following in his father's steps. And yet he rebelled against his mother's teaching. He rebelled against God. In fact, he became so hardened in his heart that he tried to lead Christians astray. He mocked Christians. He became lazy, a gambling, foul-mouthed drunkard. You will recognize who this is, and I'm not going to tell you right now, but later on we'll talk about this. He was nicknamed the Great Blasphemer. He was drafted into the Navy, where he became incorrigible. He deserted from his post and ultimately was caught. He was spared the death penalty out of respect for his father, but he was publicly humiliated and flogged with 96 lashes in front of 350 fellow sailors, busted down to the lowest rank in the English Navy. He subsequently became the servant of a slave trader and was mercilessly abused. Now many this morning would say, man, that's a rough life. And there are many today that are living the rough life of the sinner. And I am here today to tell you that it does not have to be that way. We're talking this morning about people that have never been saved by the grace of God, and you know them, you work with them, you have them in your family, you have daily interactions with them. They are leading a rough, unpleasant life. And I want to say as well that there is an application here for each of us as children of the Lord. Because when we forsake the Lord and begin to outline our own parameters for how we're going to live our lives, apart from what God tells us by His Word and His will, then we are also going to lead a, an unpleasant, rough life. So there's, there's meat and food here for any that would be in attendance this morning. Now as we think about a rough life, I want us to consider three insights concerning the sinner's rough life. First of all, we look at this in, in uh, insight, the cause of the sinner's rough life. And we've already partially alluded to that. Secondly, we must think about the consequences of the sinner's rough life. And then lastly and thirdly, there's a cure for the sinner's rough life. And so we're talking this morning about a rough life. The first insight we want to take note of is the cause of the sinner's rough life. Why is the sinner's life so rough? Well, we want to look at this really two ways. First of all, negatively, and that speaks to what is not the cause of the sinner's rough life, and then we'll consider it positively and what is the cause of the sinner's rough life. Now, what is not the cause of the sinner's rough life could be broken down into one main thought in two different categories. And that main thought is this. 
many sinners who are leading a rough life, you know what they do? They blame someone else. They blame others. And there are really two categories of who they blame. First of all, they blame other people. They blame others for the situation that they're in. And look, there's no doubt that they could have been done wrong. They might have been victims of horrible crimes. And yet they've chosen to go down the path that they've gone down and they blame others for the rough life that they are living. I want to say today that the actions of others are not the cause of your sin. Regardless of what you have experienced in life, it is not uh, those, those things that have been done to you that are the cause of your sin or your rough life. It is the choices that collectively individuals have made. Eleanor Roosevelt famously said, No one can make you feel infer- inferior without your consent. No one can cause you or force you to participate in sinful actions that you do not choose to participate in, that you do not choose to ultimately lead your life according to. Now, I want to clarify, I want to say that, that again, I mean, there, there are victims of crime, and I deal with victims of crime every day, and I'm not saying that you can't be a victim and somebody force you to do something against your will, but what I'm saying is that your reaction to that, you can't blame others for your reaction to that. You can't blame others that, that you are leading a rough life because of your sinful choices. So, what is not the cause of a sinner's rough life. It is not, it's not other people. Secondly, in this we find this more explicitly outlined in Scripture, it is not God. Many people often blame God for their situation. In fact, if you, if you were to look at uh, famous individuals in history that have suffered, uh, suffered losses, they go one of two directions. It either draws them to God or it pushes them away from God. And again, you know, I just mentioned Charles Darwin this morning. You know, what? Uh, he was a theology student. What happened in Charles Darwin's life? His daughter died. He blamed God. And he turned away from God. And so, so the sinner who is living a rough life cannot look to others as the cause of that. They cannot look to God as the cause of that. And so what is the cause? Well, the cause can be boiled down to this one thought. It is because they have forsaken and transgressed God's orders. That's the ultimate cause. Look, why are we here on this earth? We are here to to enjoy God. That is the chief end of man. And yet, what did we say in the introduction? Man's problem is that he's content without God. He maps out his own way here on this, in this life. And beloved, when that is the case, it leads to a rough life. Now, what is the cause of man's rough life? He has decided and determined that he's going his own way, that he has transgressed against God's, God's orders. And first of all, this is self-inflicted. It's self-inflicted. Psalm 107 verse 17 reads, Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted. Now, that does not mean that the child of God who experiences trouble and difficulty here on this earth, that doesn't mean that, that, that oh, well, that person's not a child of God because they're experiencing affliction and difficulty. That's not what that means. Even the child of God who experiences affliction and trouble and anguish here in this life 
is not a miserable creature because they know they belong to the Lord. And they have that comfort of knowing that at the end of the day, as hard as it gets, I'm a child of God. God loves me. And so we experience difficulty in this life, but not to the point where we are miserable and unpleasant and uneasy in our lives. The sinner has a rough life. It is self-inflicted. And it is because they are self-immersed. Self-immersed. Now, we talk sometimes about the term narcissism and being narcissistic. And, of course, that's a personality disorder that is, uh, uh, no doubt, uh, possessed by psychopaths and sociopaths. But others have uh, the affliction of narcissism. And what does narcissism mean? It means that it's all about them. They are the most important person in the world and in the earth. It's all about them. Well, you know, there are, there are individuals here on this earth that are altruistic and they're concerned about others but this one thing they're not concerned about God and what God has to say and they have chosen their own path in Proverbs 12 I just want to read you a few verses that show that the sinner is not only uh, uh, experiencing a rough life as it is self-inflicted but it is because the sinner is self-immersed in Proverbs chapter 12 verse number 15 The Bible reads, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. In Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 12, and it's also repeated in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number 25, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And then in Proverbs 16 and verse number 2, All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, But the Lord weigheth the spirits. And then Proverbs 21 and verse number 2. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. And so what what can the sinner's rough and hard life be traced back to? Forsaking God and His Word. And here, now let's take a step back for a moment. This is why I talked about believers here on this earth. We might be experiencing a rough life. Have we evaluated to see whether or not we have ordered our life after the Word of God? Look, you have choices that you're going to make. You're going to choose your mate based upon your flesh or God's counsel. You're going to raise your children based upon your flesh or God's counsel. You're going to choose your profession and career based upon your flesh or God's counsel. You're going to spend your money based upon your flesh or God's counsel. Every decision that you make as a child of God, ought to be guided by the Word of God. And yet, many saints of God, they lead a rough life. They're always in difficulty. And it's not just because they're experiencing affliction like Job. It is because they have forsaken God and His Word. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. Well, you know what? The Lord's ways are not our ways. And it would behoove us to realize and understand that, you know what? Uh... As, as was popular a few years back, you know, and you had that commercial of, uh, I don't know if you guys remember this commercial where there's an old guy, you know, he's probably in his 70s or 80s, and he's t- talking to a younger person. He says, uh, we can do this the hard way or the easy way, you know, and uh, look, we can do it the hard way or the easy way. We can do it God's way or we can do it our way, the hard way. And we then fall into the category of verse number 15 where it says, But the way of transgressors is hard. The way of sinners, it's a rough life. Now, 
having considered the cause, let's secondly look at the consequences of the sinner's rough life. How is the sinner's life rough? Now, I want to begin by, first of all, having you turn to Psalm 73, because I want you to note, again, and we, we want to be right Bible students. We don't, want to, we don't want to look at things in a one-sided manner. We want to rightly divide the Word of God. And so I want you to note here in Psalm 73 that it is true that some sinners seem to lead a charmed life. You might be thinking of somebody today, and you think of somebody like Bill Gates or Warren Buffett, you know, that I would not describe as Christian men who have chosen to honor and glorify God and order their lives after the Holy Scriptures. You say, well, but look at these guys. Their life, their life is not rough. Now watch. I want you to see this in Psalm 73, beginning in verse number 3. Psalm 73, verse number 3. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. To that, uh, he says here, to these are no, uh, excuse me, let me get my glasses here. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. Now watch. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. And so we read that and we say, man, there, there, are, there are the wicked that seem to prosper in this life. And so this doesn't apply to them. And I say, oh, there are consequences. There are consequences. Be patient and bear me out and we will talk about those consequences. I want you to note the consequences of the sinner's rough life and there are primarily two ways in which they will see consequences. The first way is that there are earthly consequences. There are earthly consequences. First of all, as we think about earthly consequences, the way of the sinner is a rough life. It is a rough life because there are earthly consequences. First of all, they will reap misery. Misery. In Proverbs 22 and verse number 5, the Bible says, Thorns and snares are in the way of the froward. He that doth keep his soul shall be far from them. In Romans chapter 3, the Bible uh, records Paul writing about the reprobate and the wicked that has not God in his thoughts. And the Bible says the natural man... Uh, describing the natural man, there's none that doeth good, no, not one. There's none righteous. And how does Paul describe those people? In Romans 3, verses 16 and 17, he says, Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. You know how the sinner's life is a rough life? It is a life of misery. Now look, again, the child of God may go through difficulties. And you look at Job and his life uh, of affliction as the Lord tried him and took the lives of his children and all of his possessions and afflicted his body. And yet, even in all of that, Job was a child of God. And look at the end of Job's life. Job's life might have had times where he was in difficulty, but the whole of his not life was not a life of misery. Job said, I'm going to see my Redeemer. The end of Job, as he got through the affliction and the testing, was better than when he started. So there's a difference. The earthly consequences for the sinner who leads a rough life, misery. Secondly, bondage. The Hebrew word for hard, in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 15, 
what I've get, get, uh, gave you a, a couple of those meanings. It's unpleasant, but another meaning is permanent. It's permanent. It's translated eleven times in the Old Testament using the English word either strong or mighty. It is a rough life, and what that means is that it is a life of bondage. It is a life of servitude. Listen to these verses in Romans chapter six, verses sixteen and seventeen. In Romans chapter 6, verses 16 and 17, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey? His servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Verse 17, But God bethink that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. We are no longer as saved people servants of sin. We're not in bondage to sin. The natural man is in bondage. If this is not true, then how do you attribute the book of Proverbs? We're going to look at this verse. We're not going to read it now, but this afternoon we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 23 where it describes all of the woes that come to the drunkard and what's the last verse in Proverbs 23? Yet when I, when I awake, will I seek it yet again? There's bond. You know this. You know, I mean, I could point to, to members of my own family, and out of respect, I won't name them this morning, that have drug issues, and they've been to rehabilitation. I don't know how many times I've been to prison. And yet they are still in bondage to meth. They are still in bondage to that drug which captivates them. And you plug in whatever it is that captivates someone and keeps them in bondage. You know that it's true. The way of a sinner is a rough life. The way of a sinner is a hard life. They are miserable. It's a life that brings consequences of misery and bondage. And how about this? Shame. Misery, bondage, and shame. In Romans chapter number 6, verses 20 and 21, For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. You know, it's a good thing when a sinner experiences shame. It's a good thing that there be some shame. We see people all around us today that have no shame. And because they have no shame, it ultimately leads to greater shame. But it's a good thing to have shame. And beloved, in your life before God saved you, certainly there are things that you can think of that were shameful and you are ashamed of those things. The sinner leads a rough life. It's a life of misery, bondage, shame. And how about this? Physical suffering. The sinner's rough life can, lead, can bring physical suffering. In Psalms 31 verses 9 and 10, Psalms 31, verses 9 and 10. The Bible reads, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Mine eye is consumed with grief, yea, my soul and my belly. Verse 10, For my life is spent with grief, and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity, and my bones are consumed. It's literally describing the physical consequences and the physical suffering of sin. And I mentioned just a few moments ago, how that the sinner and the natural man is in bondage to their sin. And I mentioned drugs. And I want you to think about the 
physical changes in somebody who has abused drugs and is in bondage to drugs. And I've shared a little bit with my family of some of the people that I've dealt with on my job. And the physical characteristics are astounding. Let's take a meth addict, weight loss, poor hygiene, broken, stained, and rotting teeth, acne, sores which uh, no longer heal or take longer to heal. Skin loses its luster and elasticity. It makes the individual appear decades older than they actually are. Physical suffering. How about alcoholism? 17.6 million alcoholics in the United States and look at all of the suffering that comes about because of that. Let me touch on one today that perhaps might be anathema in certain circles, but I say it ought not to be. Obesity. Obesity. 58 million Americans are overweight. 40 million are obese. 3 million are morbidly obese, which means that they have a body mass index of over 40%. There is now a category that includes the super obese where there's a body mass index of over 50%. Now, hopefully Wyatt has his ears closed so he's not getting he's not getting offended. I'm not picking on Wyatt this morning. Okay, if you're under 6 months, you get a pass on your BMI, okay? But you know, you know what I'm talking about. Man, there are shows that are dedicated to this. You know, I mean, what's that guy's name? Uh, Dr. Nazaruddin uh you know, everybody everybody knows Dr. Nazaruddin, or however you pronounce it. You got my 600-pound life, my 1,000-pound twins. And, uh, man, I mean, it goes on and on. Manuel Uribe was purported to be the heaviest man ever to live, 1,235 pounds. Confined to his bed for over six years. The way of it, what makes a person eat to the point that they are 1,235 pounds. And I'm going to tell you this, it's not because they're hungry. And I don't mean to be trite this morning. There's a deeper issue there. The life of the sinner is a rough life. There is physical suffering that comes as a result. It's a consequence. How about this? We might uh, overlook this, but incarceration. I mean, read Romans chapter number 13. The powers that be are ordained of God and they are sent for the punishment of evildoers. I still believe that today when you commit a crime that is worthy of going to prison, you ought to go to prison. I still believe that today the laws that the legislature in Illinois have enacted ought to be followed. And when they're not followed, I believe that there ought to be some consequences. I never want to see an innocent person convicted of a crime but I do want to see those people that habitually and continually break the law have to suffer some consequences for it and there are untold thousands if not millions of people in prisons today that their crimes have resulted in their literal loss of liberty and they are leading a life of misery bondage and shame and oftentimes physical suffering being incarcerated in a prison system because of their choices. The way of a sinner is a rough life. The way of a sinner is a rough life with this consequence. They are terrified of the future. They cannot stand to think about 
what is coming in the future. They live only for the moment. They only live for that which will pacify and dull their senses. Proverbs 4 verse 19 says, The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. Untold millions of people with emotional problems and issues they will not confront. And then ultimately and finally it goes without saying, what are one of the earthly consequences of the sinner's rough life? Death. Death. We were talking the other day at lunch, and uh, you know the, the the people in my office, except one, are, are much younger than I am. And uh, you know we we're talking about Chris Farley, and uh, one of the guys had never seen one of the Chris Farley skits. And I said, "Man, you got to watch this skit." You know, we're talking about Matt Foley, motivational speaker, and so forth. And uh, you know, and and uh, one of the guys said, "Well, man, I think I was like five years old when Chris Farley died." And uh, I said, well, that's funny because I was seven. Uh, but but anyways, um, what a talented guy, Chris Farley. Life completely out of control. Drugs, booze, obesity, you name the vice. Guy's 30-something years old. And what's the end result of that rough life that Chris Farley led? Death. Death. James chapter 1, verse number 15 reads, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Brother Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, wrote, Sinful morsels, though sweet in the mouth, turn out to be poison in the bowels. And so it is. Isn't it true? Folks, there are consequences for the sinner discarding the Word of God and doing their own thing and looking to their own ways. There are earthly consequences, but you know what? What's worse, there are eternal consequences. Now, I direct your attention back to Psalm 73. I want to pick up back in Psalm 73 in verse number 6. Actually, we'll read verse 5 again because we read verse 5. We concluded with verse 5. But now in 70, Psalm 73, let's look at verse number 5. We're going to read down through verse number 20. Psalm 73 and verse number 5. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is their knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Now watch. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Oh, beloved, there are not only earthly consequences, but there are eternal consequences. The sinner who forsakes God and His Word and designs his life according to his own path and pattern, will one day awake and face a living God. And one day they will stand 
as is recorded in Revelation chapter number 20, verses 11 through 15, at the great white throne judgment. And by the way, beloved, that's a judgment for non-believers. There's not just one general judgment. There are many judgments in Scripture, and this is for those that know not the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to see the difference between the sinner's rough life and the eternal consequences and a saint of God who might have had difficulty here on this earth We're not going to turn there this morning, but go to Luke chapter 16 and read about Lazarus and the rich man and how the rich man fared sumptuously here on this earth and yet he woke up in the depths of hell separated by a great chasm that is fixed and cannot be passed. And when he spoke and said, Oh, Father Abraham, might I get a a drop of water to to just dip my tongue in it? And, And Abram said, No, you... You fared well and sumptuously here on this earth, and Lazarus had difficulty. But now look at the end result. Look at the eternal consequences. Folks, there are consequences of the sinner's rough life, both earthly consequences and eternal consequences. Now, thus far, we've looked at the first two of the three insights. The cause of the sinner's rough life, the consequences of the sinner's rough life. Now we want to turn to, I hope, what is a more encouraging portion of the message and that is the cure the cure for the sinner's rough life it doesn't have to be this way the sinner doesn't have to live this rough life the meth addict doesn't have to be picked up again and again for violating the word of God the alcoholic doesn't have to be in bondage to their their alcohol we don't have to be in bondage to our food we got to eat but we don't have to eat such to where we gain, we weigh 1,235 pounds. It does not have to be this way. And there are many today that will not listen and they choose to lead the sinner's rough life. It does not have to be that way, beloved. How can the sinner escape the rough life? Well, first of all, the only way is through the truth. Through the truth. In John chapter 8, verse number 32... The Bible says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. In verse number 36, if the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Now we know that the truth is the only way that one can be made free from this rough life, from this sinful life. And the Bible tells us that there are two uh, ways that the truth is described in Scripture. First of all, Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so when we talk about through the truth, we're talking about through Jesus Christ. And you know the Bible describes itself, the Holy Scriptures, as the truth. Sanctify them through thy truth, Jesus prayed to the Father. Thy word is truth. So how can the sinner be cured of this rough life? Only through the truth. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. So, how is the sinner cured? Through the truth. Secondly, by turning. By turning. By turning from their wicked way. In the Bible, we looked last week, this was the content of the message. The title of the message was, Except Ye Repent. The content dealt with the Bible doctrine of repentance. And we uh, spoke at, and in depth about the Bible doctrine of repentance. We looked at the difference between uh, a legal repentance, which is only 
uh, a sorrow because you got caught in your sin or because of the consequences of sin. But then we looked at real, true, evangelical repentance where somebody has a change of mind and a change of heart that results in a change of direction. We asked, have you experienced true Bible repentance? How is the only way that the sinner can escape their rough life? It is through the truth, by turning from their sin. In Acts chapter number 8, the apostles are dealing with a guy by the name of Simon the sorcerer. And he purports himself to be a saved individual. And he even wants to be baptized. But the problem with Simon the sorcerer is that he was only after the gifts that the apostles had. And he wanted to be able to do miracles. He was Simon the sorcerer. And when Peter uh, was approached by Simon, and Simon offered him money to give this gift of being able to perform miracles, Peter was able to discern that Simon's a lost man. He said that you're in the gall of bitterness. And what was Peter's uh, counsel and direction to Simon. How about this in Acts chapter 8 verse number 22. In Acts chapter 8 verse 22, repent therefore of this thy wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. Repent of thy wickedness. Repent of your sins. Turn from your sins. Confess to God that you have forsaken Him and His word and return unto your Maker. Now, again, I want to stress that this message has application for the lost, natural, depraved sinner, but it also has application for the child of God. It's entirely possible that we might have been living our life apart from the counsel of God. And we have forsaken God in, in multiple areas or any area of our life. You know what you ought to do? You ought to examine yourself to see if that's the case, and then if it is, you ought to repent. You ought to repent of your sin. Repentance is not something that is only applicable in the lives of lost people. It's applicable in the lives of God's people as well. So, how is the sinner cured of this rough life? Through the truth. By turning from. And lastly, by trusting in. Trusting in the way, the truth, the life. The Lord Jesus Christ. In the finished work of Christ as the basis for forgiveness. Now, by and large, why don't people want to turn to Christ? Now, I'm not talking theologically today about, oh, somebody listens to the message and says, oh, well, you know, you're, you don't understand the depravity of man and the, the, you know, the, the, the sovereignty of God. I'm not talking about that. That's not the subject this morning. Why doesn't man come to Christ? Because he doesn't want Christ to rule over him. He wants to do his own thing. He wants to live his own life. And I just ask you this, how's that working out for you? How's that working out? I say to the meth addict who's been arrested 12 times and just got picked up again, how's that working out for you? I say to the alcoholic who's gone to AA and every rehab program available in the world and they're still an alcoholic, how's that working out for you? I say to the thousand pound person who is literally eating themselves to death, how is that working out for you? The sinner will not come to Christ. Because they say, as Christ spoke in the parable, we will not have this man to rule over us. And so what they do is they choose the consequences, both the earthly and the eternal consequences, 
over the remedy and the cure for their rough life. I mean, how many times has somebody offered to help a homeless person? And they choose that life. They want that life. Not all homeless people, but there are those that do. And you, if you don't understand that, you're foolish. There are many that do. Oh, to trust in Christ as my all in all. Like, I have nothing to offer to God. I'm a wicked, depraved sinner who has done many things worthy of shame. And yet, my only basis for forgiveness and righteousness with God is through His dear Son who loved me and gave Himself for me. Oh, and I can plead with God in spite of my own sinful, depraved heart because Christ stood and stands in my stead. How could you turn that away? Oh no, I want to lead a rough life. Well, I'll tell you this much. The sinner that leads a rough life that finally is brought by the Spirit of God to see the cure. That it is through the truth, by turning from his sins and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what he sings. Heaven above is softer blue. Earth around is sweeter green. Something lives in every hue Christless eyes have never seen. Birds with gladder songs o'erflow. Flowers with deeper beauty shine. Since I know, as now I know, I am His and He is mine. Oh, beloved, I remember, I remember so vividly and clearly being able to understand what this hymn meant. Being able to see with eyes where the the blinders had been removed. And oh, living life not knowing that Jesus loved me. And finally coming to the realization that Christ died for me. That He loved me. That I'm a child of God only through what He had done. Oh, the blinders are taken off. Spring becomes enjoyable the birds singing the beauty of the creation of God oh yes troubles and difficulties and anguishes and afflictions and yet not miserable knowing that Christ loves me and I'll be with him for an eternity oh man that's not a rough life that's not a rough life oh sinner Would you not come to Christ? The young man that we spoke about at the beginning of the message was on a ship one night that almost sank. He was awakened in the midst of the storm. He remembered what his mother had taught him. And he cried out to God for mercy. His life was forever changed. Led to enter the ministry and write hymns for the glory of God. He declared his most famous hymn, A testimony of what he himself had experienced. Amazing grace. Oh, how sweet the sound. The great blasphemer. Leading a rough, sinful life. Transformed into the amazing child of God. We know as John knew. Wow. Grace that can do that. Is indeed amazing. You don't have to lead a rough life. 
we looked at three insights concerning the sinner's rough life. The cause, the consequences, the cure. May God receive all the glory that you and I this morning were not leading a rough life. We are blessed above all measure. We have trials. We have troubles. We have difficulty. But we're not like the rich man. We're like Lazarus, who will yet see our Father and spend an eternity with our Savior. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. We're so thankful to be here.